Welcome to episode five of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men the Animated Series weekly recap podcast. I'm JC from Whiskey and Waffles, and you can check out our Sunday night D&D game called All Gate Adventures on the Whiskey and Waffles Twitch channel. And I'm Rod. I have new music on Spotify, which by the time you're listening to this isn't quite new, but still check me out on Spotify, Rod Kim. I'm a musician. I don't know if I mentioned that before. <laughs> you may have, and we don't write down what our intros are, so let's assume you haven't. Right. Uh, but this is the first episode we recorded since we got our intro, so before before we get into the rigmarole of our episode, tell people the awesome news about our intro that they've been hearing. Oh, yeah. So when we were recording last time, like John said, we didn't have this news and we were actually kind of hinting or I was hinting at it. The intro and outro music you hear was composed by myself and Ron Wasserman, who was the composer of the original series. It was a great honor to work with him. He had a lot of kind things to say, and he actually suggested we work together on it because I had mentioned, well, we couldn't use the original theme music for publishing stuff. Did some new music together and I also encourage you to go listen to to Ron's re-recordings of the X-Men music that you can just look up Ron Wasserman on any of your streaming platforms. You'll find it. He re-recorded X-Men and Power Rangers music. Really cool stuff to check out. Awesome. Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out because when we did our first recording, we literally didn't even know what that music was going to sound like. Yeah. Now that we do, it's awesome. I'm excited. It's a really great piece of the original show that we're obviously such big fans of that is now officially a part of our show, even tangentially. So love that. And then I cut you off. You could go into the rest (laughs) of our, our standard intro stuff. Cyclops is waiting for me is our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men the animated series in their original intended script order building up to the release of X-Men 97 coming to Disney Plus in 2023. Some quick reminders we are a recap show of a series that came out 30 years ago there will be spoilers if you don't want it spoiled for you pause the podcast, watch the episode, and come back. We will do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes that we haven't covered yet. And we are not currently sponsored by or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way, but our email is cyclopsiswaitingforme at gmail.com. If somebody from Disney would like to sponsor us in any way, shape, or form, or Marvel, we will take sponsorships. Remember I was the one holding out that MCU decision makers were listening by episode four? Well, this is episode (laughs) five, so let's hope you're right. Don't forget to follow us on social media at cyclopsiwfmpod.com on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services. And finally, we record these episodes in batches right now. So if we're reacting to any news about the upcoming series, we may be a few weeks behind. Yeah, there wasn't anything in in between our last recording (laughs) session and now. So I think we're actually at least caught up for not saying something that is weeks old at this point. Yeah, so on to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about episode six, Cold Vengeance. This aired originally on February 6th of 1993 and currently is sitting at a 7.8 star rating on IMDb. Cold Vengeance, before we get into the episode, what was your kind of vibe on this one? I think this one stood out to me specifically because I remember the offshoot comic book series called X-Men Adventures. And in that series, it was retelling you episodes just in pure comic book form. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the covers I specifically remember because it was Wolverine fighting Sabretooth. But it was with other characters behind them, which we know doesn't happen in the actual episode. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with the comic series, but it's funny because it reminded me of both a side quest and also your favorite show of all time, Book of Boba Fett. Which thankfully, (laughs) by the time this airs, is over. I'm sure there's a name for this trope, but it's kind of the hardened, burnt out hero embraced by like an indigenous peoples and learning their ways and bonding with them. Also, when it started, I just assumed that he was in Canada because Wolverine. Yeah, I I don't know enough about the Arctic and we're not going to do 
research in the middle of an episode, but there are definitely tribes within the northern parts of Canada because they specifically said Arctic as opposed to like Alaska or something like that. Yeah. So, oh, maybe. Then. Yeah. Okay. We are not experts on yeah. anything. <laughs> I just want to emphasize that. I do have a note, though, that was exciting. Granted, it was part of the recap previews on X-Men, but they started the episode with the name of the podcast. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. I forgot just how much that was used. And when we were coming up with the laundry list of names for what this show could have been, this stuck in my head and I didn't remember why. And now going through and watching all these episodes for the first time in a decade plus, now I'm starting to see why it stuck out to me so much, especially because I watched the replays of that first season so much when I was a kid. They just keep reiterating, Gene does not like Wolverine. <laughs> not that way. Yeah. Getting into the episode, it kicks off with the reaction of Wolverine leaving. You have Cyclops basically pointing out, you know, we can't depend on him. And Gene gives a little bit of a, an aside. She knows why he left. It's like because of me. I love the not even miscommunication, the absence of communication just being the start of every conflict. I'm sure it's still this way, but the era, you know, it's like, well, if you just would have talked for five minutes. <laughs> there are lots of things that could have been solved if people talked for five minutes. One thing I did notice was the continuity error with the picture, though. The previous episode where we talked about it, the picture was cut in half. Mm -hmm. This episode, the picture had a hole in the yeah. middle of it. It still creeps me out, and I'm going to emphasize this anytime the picture comes up, that he has a picture of Gene and Scott together yeah. that he's like lusting over as opposed to just him lusting over Gene. End of sentence. Which I didn't think of till just now makes the single hole in the photo a little dirtier if you think about it, if your mind is there. <laughs> Moving on. But also Cyclops just opens up the episode just 100% asshole again. Yeah, it's really interesting to me looking back because when I was growing up, I distinctly remember Scott being one of the characters that I like collecting cars, collecting action figures, watching the show in the six person Konami video game. I would always pick Cyclops. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, I'm like, this dude sucks. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't give any thought. Why would he leave? He's such a hothead. He does this several times too. So we jump over to Wolverine who's skiing in the glaciers. There's a no place like home quote, something along those lines. And then there's an exploding ice bridge. <laughs> One, I didn't know ice bridges were just that common a thing, but there's mm -hmm. like multiples of them in this episode. Yeah. And Sabretooth is setting them off with like a remote detonator. Yep. Sabretooth of all people needs, I don't want to judge because I'm not a super villain that you know of. It's just funny to be, you have this like big, like eight foot burly dude and he chooses remote explosive. It's weird. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just weird. And that's the noise of me opening the White Claw because Rod decided to allude that he's actually a supervillain. <laughs> so the bridge explosion happens. Sabretooth makes some kind of comment that you've gotten too confident. You never would have let me get this close 10 years ago, kind of giving more credence to how long the two of them have had this rivalry between them. Yeah, so we're finally getting a picture of how long maybe it's been since a lot of these rivals have seen each other. Because I think you, you guessed last batch of episodes we did that Magneto and Xavier probably been about a decade or more. Yeah, and then the two of them fight and what I actually think may have been one of the most violent individual like moves in the entire series, at least so far, is the headbutt from Wolverine to Sabretooth is pretty brutal. And if you know anything about the standards and practices of how fights can happen on children's content, you know, you don't see a lot of like 
punches. You don't see a lot of kicks, but the headbutt apparently must have gotten through standards and practices because that thing looked brutal when he hit him. Yeah, and he's like basically a bowling ball of animanium hitting saber <laughs> Yeah, yeah. His his head is harder than a rock. Like yeah. literally, that's not hyperbole. It's literally harder than a rock. So getting that smashing into your face, maybe that's why Sabretooth's face is, it's not just the animalistic side of him, <laughs> but he's taken some headbutts from Wolverine in the past and that's why he's all scrunched up. Yeah. So through the course of the fight, Wolverine ends up getting thrown into the water and then he is able to pull himself onto a floating ice block. We'll, we'll actually mention this. It is very interesting that Wolverine is able to swim as adeptly as he can. You know, we just talked about how his head is literally harder than a rock. It's because his entire skeleton is laced with adamantium. So he's heavy as hell. You know, I know in the comics, you do see Wolverine swim a little bit, but it should have been a little bit harder for a dude who was kind of like, knocked unconscious and stuff like that, maybe. That is actually where they allude to the fact that it is the middle of the Arctic. It could be seen as, is he in Canada? Is he Alaska? Wherever. At least this kind of gave us an indication. Yeah, I thought it was funny that Sabretooth expected cold water to kill Wolverine. And then you brought up the good point about how heavy he was. There's, like, there's a whole myriad of other things that should have been the thing. His weight, the metal and his bones, whatever. And Sabretooth is like, oh yeah, the cold will get him. It was kind of funny to me as a, an adult watching it now that him getting away on the iceberg or the, the ice block or whatever was mini, acceptable. Mini iceberg. Let's go yeah. with mini iceberg. It was acceptable to Sabretooth. Yeah. It was like, you went through all the trouble to set up those explosives on an ice bridge and then you're just gonna be like, oh, next time. And the fact that he didn't have a boat or something nearby, yeah. like, he's like, all right, well, my master plan kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So from there, we go back to the school and we see Cyclops and Gambit fighting each other. Cyclops just fighting with everybody at this point. Yeah. So far in the show, he has fought with Wolverine. He's now fighting with Gambit. He's also fought with Xavier in like the first episode too. I noticed that there's an ongoing theme now, and I don't know if this was purposeful, that basically all the men are fighting. And so far, as much as I've noticed, most of the women are kind of neutralizing a lot of these conflicts. Granted, most of the fights between the men are because of Cyclops. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's funny because you would look at the characteristics and personalities and Wolverine or Gambit are the ones who would quote unquote be like most problematic and likely to cause issues with a mm -hmm. team. But instead it's like the by the book Boy Scout who's actually causing the bigger challenges right now. There's an underlying message there. Yeah. <laughs> Granted Cyclops, we'll talk about later, kind of ends up being right, but it's the way he said it. Yeah. So what Rod is alluding to, what the fight started over is the rumor that Gambit has heard that the Genotians have welcomed mutants to the island and Cyclops doesn't trust it. The only problem with I have on this scene is Gambit mentions hearing the rumor and while Cyclops is like dismissing the rumor and the validity of it and stuff like that, Gambit doesn't tell him where he heard it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of understand where Cyclops is coming from. This is just a rumor. If Gambit says, well, so-and-so that I know is down there and telling me that it's great and they've been persecuted wherever before, then all of a sudden it's credible. But Gambit isn't exactly, he's not supporting his own case. He's yeah. just saying, yeah, this sounds like a good thing. That's probably too good to be true. Maybe we should just get a reference like, or something. Yeah, so they come up with the cover of them going down to be tourists and they head to the airport. Gambit going to the airport, still not in a disguise. Yeah, and also Jubilee still registered with the Mutant Registration Act, right? And I know that they're technically dissolved. Well, I don't know what is considered registered when an entire database just lives on one hard drive 
five that Storm can fry with lightning. Good point. You're okay. thinking of it from the 2022 lens yeah. of once it's put into the cloud, it doesn't uh -huh. go away without a real hacker messing okay. with it. Because I was thinking you just had literally these three specific people in a large scale public fight. Yeah. And one of them was specifically being tracked. And so you're just going to send them away to a rumored island. So let's <laughs> let's take a step back. And for anybody who is under the age of 20, just remember at this time, the way that people would identify criminals was usually sending a photo through a fax machine. If you don't know what a fax machine is, Google what faxes look like in terms of quality, because you would be shocked that anybody could ever be identified for anything. The quality of image was so piss poor because it was sending black and white photos through phone lines. Oh, yeah. Imagine like you're taking a black and white photo that you're going to email on the lowest quality setting on your phone in the dark. And that's still a little bit better than yep. what we got. <laughs> yeah. What I did also appreciate was there was a reference to The Shining. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a comment that Gambit made of all work and no play makes Gambit a dull boy. I, I didn't no. catch that. Yep. I, that. It's so ingrained in our lexicon. Yeah. I, I just yep. I, didn't, I didn't remember this from there. Yep. That one is shining. That is prime shining. <laughs> that is the typewriter, the typewriter from it. Yep. So we flash back to the Arctic and Wolverine is found by two Inuits. The older of the two, the elder, I believe is how they referred to him, Pueta. He tells Wolverine that he hasn't heard of mutants. And I think this really goes back to what that world was was like in the 90s. If you were not in a connected environment of a major city and stuff like that, even things like rumors would take months to spread because mm -hmm. it was somebody literally telling it to somebody else. And then you'd have to go by word of mouth. There was never the social media or even the 24 hour news cycle. The 24 hour news cycle didn't even start until 2000, 2001. Yeah. So here it was entirely possible that if their local news, which these people did not have TVs, was not covering what a mutant was, they may never have heard of them before. Even in just small towns. I grew up in Greentown, Indiana, population 3,000 people. I don't think it was until Napster, LimeWire, that whole era happened that our community discovered rap music. I had you know, grown up listening to Garth Brooks and Shania Twain and all the stuff you'd expect a small Midwest town to listen to. And then suddenly we discovered hip hop and rap. Wow. <laughs> no, I mean, that's just crazy to me. Maybe it's because growing up in the Northeast, but mm -hmm. we started discovering rap music within our mostly white Catholic school around the time of Notorious B.I.G. and Two Tupac when they were both still alive. Mm -hmm. So you saying growing up on <laughs> Shania Twain and then rap after it, it's like Shania Twain wasn't even on the radar when yeah. we were first hearing rap well, music. And it was around, granted, because we had record stores like Sam Goody and stuff, mm -hmm. but because you'd have to save, what, 20 bucks for an album or something, yep. we weren't embracing it until you could steal it. Anyway, my whole point is like it wasn't as fluid of a, a news cycle, like I said. From there, Wolverine wants to repay the tribe for helping him and saving him and stuff like that. And he hops into one of their fishing boats and the younger tribesman named Kioak, who is jealous of him already because of all the recognition that he's getting and such. They even, when they first found Wolverine, kind of showed a little bit of that pre-jealousy or something because I think he there wanted- There was a he, mistrust there from yeah, the start. Yeah, he, he wanted to turn him in for reward money yeah. to kind of see like where his thinking was. Yep, Wolverine shows him up without trying to maliciously show him up where he throws the net in no problem and ends up having the biggest catch. Something that stood out for me about Kioak is if you actually look at the character design, he is wearing a- a Detroit Tigers baseball hat and it's a different color scheme but that was the classic 
classic Detroit logo, the fancy calligraphy style D, but it was like this brown tan color yeah. combo instead. But it's definitely a Detroit hat. Oh, wow, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. There has to be some story from the animator about that. Whoever did the design, like what that choice was. That's interesting. Between that and Seattle, it's the most northern U.S. baseball team. Yeah, right. That's all I got. <laughs> so when they get back to the tribe, they're celebrating and they tell Wolverine that they want to throw him up in the air. They have this mm -hmm. like blanket thing. I mean, I've definitely seen that happen, never in real life. Yeah. And the part that stood out to me is, again, Wolverine's entire skeleton <laughs> is adamantium. Yeah. The people that are throwing others in the air are throwing people like 125 pound yeah. women into the air, not literal sacks of metal. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, ever since you brought up the weight of the adamantium, I'm going to be watching for that now. Yeah. I also, during the scene, I think he was talking to Poyeta and there's a cool quote there that was, no man seeks peace so hard than one that does not have it. It's another example we keep mentioning about how they never talk down to kids. Yeah, it was actually like a moral moment of something to learn and it wasn't even the simplistic like don't talk to strangers kids like yeah. we had gotten from G.I. Joe years earlier. Yeah. Jumping back we see they arrive on Pan Air which was a combination of Pan Am and every other airline that had air in it to the Genosha Beach Inn. They have a nice blatant sign on the desk that says ask about our mutant discount mm -hmm. and the clerk who's checking them in this is where the lines of where technology existed at the time or not mm -hmm. has a clip from Storm transforming at the mall. It's a really close shot and it's like cool what security feed did they have that off of because cctv stuff at the mall not that good at the time peter parker vlogging yeah exactly <laughs> it looks like he identifies her through eye recognition which also stood out and calls a contact and says oh yeah we got somebody for you to pick up essentially mm -hmm. uh, yeah i couldn't figure out exactly what was happening there i guess it was just a nebulous technology enhanced yeah because like you said they destroyed the quote-unquote database on that single computer monitor in an earlier episode and now they're just pulling up. But it's funny because the thing that I was kind of critical of before, I was like, well, they destroyed the thing and now it's happening. Well, I, th I think this is where at the end of the day, this was originally intended to be a cartoon that kids can jump into and still had parts that were for the older audience. So we do yeah. have to have some level of suspension of disbelief yeah. and, you know, a fantastic technology, etc. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're literally talking about people who could shoot lasers out of their mm -hmm. eyes and <laughs> telepathically control other humans, telekinetically move shit. So we could be critical, but we yeah. don't have to be assholes about yeah. it. So right after the contact is called, we jump back to the Arctic and Kiowak is moved away from the tribe a little bit. He's out on his own. He's found by Sabretooth and doesn't understand what he is. He thinks he's essentially like the equivalent of, what, what was his phrasing? It oh was a, a demon or something yeah. along those lines. Very much like, oh, what is the equivalent of a, an abominable snowman or a Wendigo? Like the legends are true. Yeah, the legends are true. And Sabretooth reveals that he's a mutant. Kiowak has no idea what that actually means. But but he basically decides to throw Wolverine under the bus. He says he's no friend of mine and I just want to be rid of him. Mm -hmm. Sabretooth sees an opportunity there. So through the episode, we cut back and forth between here and Genosha a few yeah. times. And I think it's funny that they have like this X wipe of transition instead of being like a star or something is an X. And it's only in this episode so far. <laughs> like we haven't seen that yet. And it's only between these two places. Basically all the Genosha cutaways are just showing Storm Gambit and Jubilee like settling in. Jubilee keeps talking about wanting to get in her swimsuit. But every time they cut back, we see like a little bit of them kind of being found, but they don't know it yet. Yeah, Kyoak 
takes Wolverine out on the open sea. As they're out on the open sea, they have a little bit more conflict. It looks like they're ready to have a quick fight, or Kyoak thinks he has a chance of fighting Wolverine, and Wolverine cuts his fishing spear in half with mm-hmm. his claws. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there is a explosion back at the camp. When that happens, Wolverine lets out sort of the, like, there's no peace for me, not even here. And they get back to the remnants of the village, and Kyoak basically owns up that he was just trying to get Wolverine, and, and it didn't work out the way he was hoping to. Yeah. He didn't didn't think it through. It was just a distraction for Sabretooth to take the village, which we'll find out soon as hostage and destroy it. So there's a very awkward transition shot where from the burning village, it goes to a landscape shot in the day and then transitions to that same landscape shot at night, Mm -hmm. which I don't know why they felt the need (laughs) to show that transition between. Maybe they literally just had four seconds they needed to fill on screen. But you see Wolverine marching through the ice and that's where we actually see one of the animation mistakes that happens there. With like the hand? No, no. So this is the one where Wolverine is marching and for the first second or so of it you see his arms are skin tone with the in in the way you know it's the skin tone is because you see his hairs on top of it and then a second into it his arms switch to yellow but it still has the hair on top that must have been what I caught I saw I thought I saw something like glitch on the screen yeah it was it was definitely a visual glitch but Kyoak follows Wolverine to help him out they end up seeing another ice bridge again yeah ice everywhere super common apparently I didn't know those were natural <laughs> occurrences and Saber Sabretooth basically says, well, what are you going to do? You got to get there. You have one minute. I truly don't believe Sabretooth would have given him the minute. I think knowing what I know about how savage a character that Sabretooth is, and maybe this is just because they didn't want to kill a bunch of people in a kid's show violently with no hope. You had to give the out for it. But if this was the comic version of Sabretooth, Sabretooth would have just waited until Wolverine got close enough, saw it, blow them up in front of Wolverine to put him into the rage and then attacked him. Yeah, and also so he's like, well, I got an extra stick of dynamite, so I got to use this. Yeah, I mean, he does the same plot as dude, it didn't work. Dude carries dynamite with him. <laughs> Wolverine lets out a really important quote that I don't remember if this ever fully pays off, but it's one of those things that could. And I think it's a great quote. I don't want to fight you anymore. I don't care who started it. Mm, so, yeah, it's kind of shown like the growth that Wolverine's had since, I don't know, the last time we saw him. More, this- it's more so for me yeah. that there is an acknowledgement that Wolverine may be at fault. Interesting. And it's not specifically called out, Yeah, but it alludes to the possibility. And that's what stood out to me there. If Wolverine was confident that Sabretooth had been the one to start it, he, I don't think he would have said that, that sentence. Yeah, it is a stark contrast from when he said earlier is he wasted some friends of mine. And yeah. That was it. That sounds pretty black and white. Okay, there's a little mystery here. Right. What happened? It's like, did he waste your friends because you started something with him and then it was him yeah. getting revenge? Was it him truly wasting them and that's what started all of it with you know the weapon we your friends assholes yeah the weapon x program <laughs> and stuff like that so the two of them start to fight in one of the most cartoonish ways for this dude who is one of your most like badass martial fighters that's out there he gets snow thrown in his eyes and that almost takes him out maybe it was yellow snow stung a little bit i i don't know maybe they were alluding to what was going to start going on with acid rain in the snows yeah. and all that so wolverine almost gets taken out just from snow getting in his eye and he ends up getting saved by kyoa when he's about to have, you know, Sabretooth dropping ice on him. Yeah, the, the big, like, ice block. Yeah, the big thing, ice block. And presumably throw him into, like, this giant ravine that they're next to, I guess, under the ice bridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking that, ice bridge. That's also out there, which I'm thinking too hard about this, like you said, for a If there's show. a ravine right next to all the water, water wouldn't yeah. it just be water? <laughs> no. Nope, nope. We're thinking too hard again, sir. 
Thinking too hard again. So the save happens, Sabretooth charges, Wolverine, very like pro wrestling style, just yeah. ducks under the charge. And that leads Sabretooth to go careening off the ledge. And then Wolverine just like, oh, that's good enough. Yeah, they don't check. <laughs> so Wolverine, Kiowa save the people. It definitely took longer than a minute. So Sabretooth's timer, apparently bullshit. Yeah. No. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Definitely longer than a minute. Yeah. Though. Yep. I don't know. Sabretooth maybe was counting and was going to hit the he button himself. It. Yeah. Uh, 90s tech kids. Sabretooth, not great at planning. <laughs> And then Wolverine goes back to want to help the tribe rebuild. And Puyeta says, no, it's time we move on. A lot of the younger ones want to move into the cities. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a sad evolution. That's a part of this larger mutant story is evolution isn't always good because there are going to be the people who want to maintain the ways of the tribe and things like that. But Puyeta doesn't, he knows he can't prevent the younger members from growing, evolving mm -hmm. and acclimating with what this new world is turning into for them. Yeah. I, I, including I, I, being Detroit Tigers fans. <laughs> He's like, first thing you need to do is pick a better team. Yeah. I don't know anything about sports. So don't come for me. It was cool that he came to that understanding and it makes sense because before meeting Wolverine, he didn't know what mutants were and then suddenly he, he's witnessing this battle. And he's like, this is just the, the, no pun intended, tip of the iceberg. Then Get out. You're, <laughs> you're, you're off the podcast. I, I didn't mean that. Mother. <laughs> Until I thought about it. Yep. But he's like, this is clearly out of my hands. I want to know where the elders were going. Because it makes sense for the kids to move to the city and stuff. Are the elders also just moving to the city and I don't see how it they, out? I don't see how they don't. I mean, <laughs> it, it would probably be one of those scenarios where the younger members are getting regular day-to-day -day jobs and mm -hmm. such. And you probably have the extended family-style household type yeah. scenario. That sounds like a CW series to me. It's trying to make it in the big city in the 90s. I mean... <laughs> It can't be that different from like whatever that Amish reality show was. Oh like, my, yeah. yeah. And just remember, this was all out before reality shows were a yeah. thing. Did we have real world at that point? If we didn't, it was coming very quickly because I remember it. This is kind of a boomer thing to say, but I remember when MTV showed music. So it came out the year prior. Oh, okay. 1992 was the debut. The first season of the real world was airing as this, this show was... was being animated. <laughs> and this animated reality show would still have been more realistic than... <laughs> the reality shows we, we get, got. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. So for our final jump over, we see the bungalow, that storm in casual wear. Jubilee was in like a long sweater, which doesn't make sense on a beach. But she did make a lot of comments about wanting to dress up and stuff. Yeah. So I guess maybe that was an allusion to that or something. Yeah, it just seems like that's too warm. <laughs> and as she's going into her room to get changed, a bunch of metal sheets come down over the windows. A knockout gas starts to go in there. And then we see the militarized It's like group. a small army. Yeah, this anti-mutant army pops up. They have mech suits. So that's what those were? I was like, are they some variation of the Sentinels? No, or I don't, I don't mech think suits. so. Makes I, sense. Because I don't think you would make a variation of a Sentinel that mm -hmm. isn't just another Sentinel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to go with those were mech suits. Yeah, that makes sense. And they have this like green and tan color scheme and stuff like that. Storm tells Gambit not to endanger human life I, yeah, when that, they're that was, being attacked. That was an all caps note for me. It was like, we can't endanger human lives. Like, what about your lives? Because <laughs> it's literally a small army. Yeah. against three of you. And then from there, we get the reveal that there are sentinels down there too. That was cool. And our trio gets trapped. Yeah, and then to be continued. For me, to be continued is a part two scenario, but I think because this was one of the series that was very into sequential storytelling, mm -hmm. to be continued meant don't just watch these as standalone episodes that don't have a strong continuity between them. This was the, you need to keep watching every week or you're going to miss 
stop. Okay, yeah, because I was wondering if there was like some sort of continuity to it, because I felt like, at least in the batch that we've watched so far, that it was kind of inconsistent about when we got the To Be Continued. Yeah, it, it did feel inconsistent, despite the fact that from a continuity perspective, they all are so tied into each other of yeah. like events of one episode ending and leaving you on the next week cliffhanger kind mm-hmm. of scenario. But yeah, that was everything that we had out of this episode. It went to your favorite outro was the 3D spinning version of the characters. Just wanted to point that out. One of the things that Eric Lewald talked about in his book, this was one of the times where he was very excited to split the groups up into smaller teams and Wolverine obviously solo, but then Gambit, Storm, and Jubilee because it helped him having uh, smaller teams for a tighter and more manageable story. Mm -hmm. So that's why we were able to get so much out of the two because we didn't have certain characters at all even in the episode. There's no beast in the episode at all. Aside from that danger room scene, we don't see Cyclops and Xavier. So it lets us actually hone in on people. And that seems to be a consistent trend with with what they were doing in the... And I imagine that also helps with the power balance too because if you only have Gambit, Storm, and Jubilee on Genosha, then that helps you tell a story without just being like, well, why didn't so-and-so just do something crazy? Because Cyclops was right. Yeah. That's what sucks. It's like, it's, it's, he, it he does was suck he, his, when Cyclops is right. <laughs> I'll say his concern was right. Credit to him there that they should have prepared a little bit more than just going on vacation. But yeah, fuck that guy for the way he said it. <laughs> well, Rod, we've hit all of our major points to the episode. Was there anything mm-hmm. that you put down in your notes? I know Storm's quote of we can't endanger human life isn't as good as someone's from other episodes, but any closing thoughts from you? It was just kind of a, you know, a little bit of a side quest, but still kicks off like the next big conflict that we're about to explore in the next episode. Yeah, and, and for those who don't follow the comics as tightly, Genosha is a major factor within the X-Men universe, mm-hmm. and the expanded story of Genosha goes so much further than what the animated series is ever able to do it gets freaking crazy in the books i will say that i don't remember genosha and this whole scenario being introduced so early on it's just it's just one of those emotional memories as a kid it felt way into the series for me for whatever reason probably because every week the show would air so this is probably a couple months later agreed and without spoiling anything from the particular episode there is an episode later on that is a christmas special Mm -hmm. and if you had gun to my head asked me (laughs) what season that came out on i would have said it was season one yeah And without having the reference of all the episodes in front of me, it was either season four or season five of the show. Yeah. And I could have sworn that was season one because I saw it so So many times. And even just we were looking at the list of episodes coming up. We're like, oh, that happened? Yeah. So early on? Okay. Yeah, there are a lot of major stories that happen in season one. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them into the comments for either the YouTube upload of the episode or the official Instagram post of the episode. Trying to make those pretty easy and clear for everybody to find. And if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox. And then as soon as I figure out how to make the other ones work, (laughs) I don't know, maybe by 2023, we'll be on Stitcher. Oh, great. Yeah, you're doing a great job. I don't know how any of that works. (laughs) Yeah, just so you guys know, the way that this is set up as a show, I do a lot of the social media aspect, the upload and and stuff like that. Whereas Rod is the one who's actually taking this audio, getting rid of all of our ums, ahs, and then the freaking racetrack that is in front of my house (laughs) that we have awkward pauses when we're recording. He cleans all that up for everybody so that's everything thank you so much everybody and i don't think i'm going to take that suggestion for the outro phrase that somebody left oh i saw <laughs> sorry doug <laughs>